And everywhere you look, you see roses, you see chocolates. You know what that means. It's Valentine's Day. Thanks so much for hanging out here on the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gallison. Yes, it is Valentine's Day. And as you know, I like to do these holiday-themed podcasts. And I was going to do a Bachelor Awareness Day episode, (laughs) being that I am still a bachelor. But alas, I want this to be a more positive spin So enough about me, and we will talk about, rather than commiserating my singleness, about the love of God and how it contrasts with the love that the world has for one another. But before we get into the meat of our discussion, let's let's swing it over to Adam for the quote of the day. All right. says here, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. That comes from Mr. C.S. Lewis. And Adam, rather than just asking for your thoughts on this quote, have you had any personal experience with this type of approach? I have a little bit because sometimes you have to really apply that love to your neighbor towards others. Some people it comes naturally because maybe you connect with them or you have things in common, but, you know, everyone's made differently. And with that, sometimes you have to kind of build on that love with somebody because God calls us to love everyone. So maybe if there's someone who, you know, they rub you the wrong way or kind of maybe even get in your nerves or something a little bit along those lines, just being honest, uh, we're still called to really love each and every person, our our neighbor that that is around us. So, uh, yes, I, I can I can relate with that a little bit. I would definitely agree. You know, there are certain people that I have a hard time loving, even sometimes within my own sibling group. I mean, I know that we're called to love our family, and we hopefully love and appreciate each one of our siblings, but I know especially for me, with the especially with the long age gap and the span that my siblings cover, being the oldest of 11, I can't possibly hope to connect with each of them the same way. And certain personalities rub certain other personalities the wrong way. Uh, But you try to put others before yourself Mm -hmm. as God commands you to. And you learn that as you try to love someone, as you uh, as you are willing, let me put it that way, as you are willing to love someone as C.S. Lewis says, as you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. And I think sometimes we are afraid of that because we don't want to be hypocrites. But I also think there is a certain amount of training and getting yourself ready that the Christian life entails. Mm -hmm. And so as we talk about love and loving one another um, and relying on God to love through us, there is definitely certain periods where you have to behave as if you love them and eventually it goes from your head to your heart and good things happen so moving right along into the main portion of our discussion today i want to talk a little bit about love in first of all in the world's eyes and contrast it with what love is in god's eyes if we're talking about uh the world's love We're talking about what I want. You know, there's a lot in the media today about how those who love each other should just be allowed to love each other. You know, we have that with the whole gay marriage 
discussion, we say, well, if two people of the same sex love each other, just let them love each other because, you know, who are we to say what love is? But you and I are not qualified to say what love is. God, however, is the creator of love, and so he has some things to say about it. So as we look at um, love from a human perspective, it's what I want. If a person is making me happy, then that's love from a human perspective. What well, makes me feel good? Um, if I am having a hard day with someone in my family, that doesn't make me feel good. So I want to get away from that. That's why you see so many divorces um, in today's day and age, because that doesn't, it doesn't, if the person doesn't make me feel good, then I want to get out of that particular situation. But let's look at what God's definition of love is on these first couple points before we go on. Uh, and it, it, God says that the definition of true love is what others want. Could you read that verse there, Adam? Philippians 2, 4? Absolutely. It says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay, so remember, in these two points we've covered so far... We are saying that love is what I want, so I put myself first. And we see this in society all over the place. We need to look out for number one. Yep. All the advertising slogans out there talk about what we deserve, especially the fast food ones. You know, there was an old slogan by McDonald's, I think it was, or Burger King, I forget which. It's irrelevant which, but it basically <laughs> said, have you had your break today? Um, and even if you were sitting on your sofa watching football all day, you still deserve a break because that's how they make money is by making you believe that you deserve a break. But anyway, um, as we see, God is saying for us to put others ahead of ourselves. Don't just look for your own things, but put others ahead of yourself. And then the next part is God's love is what makes others feel good. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Now, in the world system, as we already talked about, it's what I want, it's what makes me feel good. And so if, you know, if, I'm watching TV and someone changes the channel or if I want to have some time alone and four or five people come into the room and ruin that, I have the choice to put them ahead of me and say and, and see if I can help them or to feel bad that they interrupted my time. Uh, before we go on to the last few uh characteristics of love that I have here. Adam, do you have a few thoughts? I do. I, it's so funny how it, there's such a difference in the sense of how what the world thinks is me and then what God's love is is to others. And I think one of the best ways you can kind of tell that and which love is really real and which one is going to be long-lasting is looking at the examples. I mean, the one who had the perfect example of a loving person to their neighbor was Jesus. I mean, you saw someone who, in every situation, uh, gave to others, put others first, um, even washed the disciples' feet. 
And and that's that's amazing to think and ask ourselves, can can I do that? Am I am I willing to do that each and every day in my daily life and even small things? Not saying if you're you know at the office you got to take off your coworker's shoes, start washing their feet, but saying in a sense of even just in small actions every day. Are we doing it out of a love for ourselves? Or are we doing it out of true love and charity for others? Those are good thoughts. And we, we have um, a couple more aspects that I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, from the world's perspective and then from God's. The, the last two that I want to talk about is that love by the world standards is based on feelings and does not tend to last. Um. If I love somebody from what the world says, that means that I have warm fuzzies about them. I can't wait to be with them. I think about them all the time. And generally, it's focused on how they appear to me physically. You know, like if it's if it's a specific girl, it's usually she's so beautiful. I can't imagine being with someone more beautiful. And so, you know, so that's that's what the world's definition is. And it doesn't tend to last because guess what? You're not going to have warm fuzzies about everybody every day. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Adam and I have had no real conflicts, uh, and I'm grateful for all he's done for me, but I'm pretty sure that if we tried to live together, there would be days when we would have conflict <laughs> because we would see things about each other that we don't see right now. And real friends work through those. And I, you know, the interesting thing is relationships can really be deepened by working through conflict. That's another thing that the world doesn't understand. They think that love is the absence of conflict when in reality, for most of us, true love is tested and shown through the conflict that arises and the way we deal with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then just looking at the way that God talks about these things, there's some really good stuff here. It's based on a choice that God commands. You remember we were talking about how a lot of times we think of love as an emotion? There are emotions associated with love. Don't get me wrong. But love is much more than that. Love is a choice that we make. And if I get to the point where I'm to get married, I will be making a choice before Almighty God that I will love this person until death do us part. Because God commands it. Here's what he says. He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then on this last point, love lasts forever. God's love lasts forever. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So all these things will vanish away except for love. The true love. And and so a lot of times people say, well, you need a whole lot more than love to make a, a, a marriage succeed or a relationship succeed. And that's true if you're thinking in the context of the world's definition of love. But if you're thinking in the context of the self-sacrificial love that Jesus has for us and that we are to have for one another, then you don't need more than love. Because God's love is never-ending. And it, it's powerful enough to hold relationships together. Now, before we move on to the next part of our show, do you have any thoughts on those last two aspects of love, Adam? I like how you said that love is a choice. 
Because a lot of times, like you said, the world will say, well, well, love isn't a choice. I just had these feelings for this person, and, and now, now we're in love, and everything is amazing and fairy ish and la, 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 la. And not that that's a bad thing, but if that's all it becomes, then there will be problems down the road, and usually sooner than later. And again, you know, I, I'm not married right now, so not that I can come out of this from experience, but I have seen situations in my life where the couples were truly living out of love, charitable, godly love for each other, regardless to just uh, fairy tale, worldly love. And sure enough, you know, the godly love, it, it lasts. And that came in actions, not just attractions. Well, and I just want, that's a good, good phrase right there, that love comes in actions, not just attractions. Mm-hmm. Because I know that we're talking to a lot of young people today. And the dating mentality of the day says, I'm going to date this person because they make me feel good. Love your tongue well, feelings, love being feelings. But then the day that they don't make me feel good anymore, I'm just going to walk away. And what is that preparation for? It's preparation for divorce. It's saying that my well-being, my fun, my gratification is more important than the other person's. You know, that's where taking God's gifts out of his context, like having... uh intimate relations before marriage. That's where those come in because we take what God has given as a wonderful gift and we take it out of its context. And half a truth is still a whole lie. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep that in mind. Um, and I could go on and on, but I will not. <laughs> I just hope that as you go through this this Valentine's Day, that you will think about the true love that Jesus exhibited to us on the cross and that you will bring that to your marriages if you're married, and to your other relationships if you are not, and that as you are seeking to find a wife or a husband, that you will seek not to find the right person, but to be the right person and to allow God to bring that person to you. And I am saying that to myself as much as to anyone else, for there are times when I get impatient for that to happen. But before we leave, we wanted to share something very special with you. Adam is going to read a story for us called The Tale of the Three Trees. Adam? It starts, uh, starts off here by saying, once upon, a, once upon a mountaintop, three little trees stood and dreamed of what they wanted to become when they grew up. The first little tree looked at the stars and said, I want to hold treasure. I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I'll be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world. The second little tree looked out at the small stream trickling by on its way to the ocean I want to be traveling mighty waters and carrying powerful kings. I'll be the strongest ship in the world. The third little tree looked down into the valley below where busy men and women worked in a busy town. I don't want to leave the mountaintop at all. I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they'll raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I will be the tallest tree in the world. Years passed. The rain came, the sun shone, and the little trees grew tall. One day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, This tree is beautiful. It is perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the first tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest. I shall hold wonderful treasure, the first tree said. The second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, This tree is strong. It is perfect for me. With a a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, thought the second tree. I shall be a strong ship for mighty kings. The third tree felt her heart sink when the last woodcutter looked her away. She stood straight and tall and pointed bravely to heaven. 
But the woodcutter never even looked up. Any kind of tree will do for me, he muttered. With a swoop of his shining axe, the third tree fell. The first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought her to a carpenter's shop, but the carpenter fashioned the tree into a feed box for animals. The once beautiful tree was not covered with gold nor with treasure. She was coated with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry farm animals. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took her to a shipyard, but no mighty sailing ship was made that day. Instead, the once strong tree was hammered and sawed into a simple fishing boat. She was too small and too weak to sail on an ocean or even a river. Instead, she was taken to a little lake. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumberyard. What happened? The once tall tree wondered. All I ever wanted was to stay on the mountaintop and point to God. Many, many days and nights passed, and the three trees nearly forgot their dreams. But one night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby in the feed box. I wish I could make a cradle for him, her husband whispered. The mother squeezed his hand and smiled as the starlight shone on the smooth and sturdy wood. This manger is beautiful, she said. And suddenly the first tree knew he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into the old fishing boat. The traveler fell asleep as the second tree quietly sailed out into the lake. Soon a thundering, thrashing storm arose. The little tree shuddered. She knew she did not have the strength to carry so many passengers safely through with the wind and the rain. The tired man awakened. He stood up, stretched out his hand, and said, Peace. And the storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And suddenly the second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was startled when her beams were yanked from the forgotten woodpile. She flinched, she flinched as she was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. She shuddered when soldiers nailed a man's hands to her. She felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. It had made the third tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of God. That was better than being the tallest tree in the world. The next time you feel down because you're, you didn't get what you wanted, sit tight and be happy because God is thinking of something better to give you. Thank you, Adam, for reading the tale of the three trees. I hope that you have enjoyed this tale and that you are aware of who that man was who calmed the sea, Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary's cross to give you salvation, rose again the third day to show us that salvation had been attained and that he had gained victory over sin, death, and the grave. This Valentine's Day, whether you are single or married, be thankful for the love of God that is for us in Christ Jesus. For the Speaking for Him podcast, this is Andrew Gomison saying, keep serving the best of masters. As I said, this is Andrew Gomison, and your executive producer is Adam McNutt. So long, everybody. Have a great weekend.